Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me explode. Hello and welcome to the Andrea K Show. Happy tax day to everybody out there. I'm sure that you're just feeling like I am. This is just like the happiest day of the year, right? I guess maybe for the Democrats. This is like Christmas Day for the Democrats, right? Um, actually, I don't even think we're at the point yet of the year in which we've actually worked enough to pay off our tax obligations. I'm not really sure. I think that keeps moving back every year. When I was a kid, I think it was February. Then it was March. I mean, it's going to be June if we keep going in this direction. But maybe not because we've got none other than President Trump in office who's about to tackle tax reform, which is one of the reasons why supposedly we've had all these protests in the street. It's just been, uh, you know, crazy with, uh, uh, with these protests. Um, but first, before we get into that, we've got, uh, we got to, uh, Matt Walsh coming on the show a little bit later. He's going to talk about his new book, Holy, uh, Unholy Trinity, which is about the left's attack on traditional conservative America. We're going to talk more about tax day with none other than my man, the silky smooth Al Arias a little bit later. In fact, I got a little quiz for Al. If we got to, if we got to suffer through tax day, we might as well have some fun. So I'm actually going to have a little fun with Al a little bit later on the show. Um, but first up, one of the biggest stories, at least biggest political stories of the day is what's happening down in GA, what's happening in the ATL. And so here to talk about that is is Brian Crabtree. He's been on the show before. We all good to go there? DJ Carrots. By the way, I forgot to say hi to DJ Carrot Sticks. DJ Carrot Sticks. <laughs> I think he just reset our little system here so everybody could hear us. Did, hear the us sound was a little high there. The sound was a little high. Okay. Well, back on the Andrea K Show is none other than Brian Crabtree from the Brian Crabtree show down in, in Georgia, townhall.com and dailycaller.com, here to break it down, what's happening down in GA, in the ATL. That's about as street as I'm going to get today. Hey, Brian, welcome back to the Andrea K Show. It's a big story, and uh, I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be hyped up in a big way, and conservatives are going to kind of wake up if they haven't been following this, and you're going to see that John Ossoff, a Democrat, has beat the next two Republicans combined in the uh, special election uh, for uh, Tom Price's old seat, who's now our Health and Human Services Secretary. Of course, that won't tell the whole story. I call that fake news, but that's what they'll report. The whole story is that you have 14 Republicans splitting up the vote quite extensively, and no Republican will get past 16, 17, 18 percent, more than likely. And uh, John Ossoff will be somewhere between 37 and 43 points, more than likely, uh, at the end of today. So that gives you some sense of what the numbers are going to look like. And they're going to take this for the next 
few weeks and use it as an argument uh, that President Trump has lost a lot of support, which is simply not true. Well, let, let me back up a little bit, because I think we had a little bit of a hiccup with your sound when you first started, you, you, and we had a little trouble hearing you. You're saying that um, you, you, the first words I heard you say was that this guy was going to beat two Republicans. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna beat the two Republicans uh, that are next to him in, in this. This is a, like a a catch all Heinz fifty seven runoff. There's not a Republican and a Democrat. It's just eighteen people okay. on a ballot with an R D next to their name. Okay, so and then what, you're gonna have the top two are gonna go to a runoff unless okay. someone gets over fifty percent. Okay, so but right now it looks as though he's gonna end up somewhere around thirty something percent, maybe closer to forty. No Republican is break going to break the sixteen percent. So then it's gonna end up coming down to two a Democrat and a Republican, correct? More than likely. Yeah, he may get to the forty three, forty four percent mark, which will be uh six or seven points higher than the Democrat uh attained back in November when Tom Price was reelected. Um, but that's still it's still going to have to go to another vote, correct? I want to make sure everybody that's understands correct. the process that's happening down there. Okay, so basically that, this is... That's correct. Okay. June 20th, unless he pulls off a miracle today, exceeds 50%, there'll be a runoff June 20. And uh, this will be a much different election after after today. Okay, so then... Uh, okay, good. I'm glad I understand it. So then you were saying that this is going to be the narrative, kind of like what we heard coming out of Kansas. I mean, the, the Republican won by seven points, but the Democrat immediately said it was a victory for the left. This means that there's buyer's remorse for Trump, and it's a, it's it's going to then usher in... They actually said after Kansas that it was then going to usher in 180-something seats into Congress. So this is just going to, in my opinion, going to continue that narrative that, you know, that it's a referendum on Trump, and it means whatever happens today, it's, it's going to be bad news on the part of the left uh, for Donald Trump. We know that that's the narrative going in. What's the reality of what's happening down there? And my other well, question, and then to, to piggyback onto that question, what's really happening down there? And as a result of what's happening, should Trump have taken somebody out of a congressional seat and put him into DHS secretary? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Tom Price is a fine man. He's been on my show many times. I think he's a great choice for that position. So I'm happy that a man like Tom Price is in Washington serving the whole country. And I know he'll serve Georgia and the country well in his role as Health and Human Services Secretary. He's a brilliant doctor, and that's what we need. So that said, this is a very Republican district. It's uh, typically 11 to 13 points. It was originally flipped to Republican by Newt Gingrich, who became the Speaker of the House. He held that seat for many years. Then current Senator John Isaacson, Johnny Isaacson, uh, held the seat. And uh, Tom Price then, over the last 40 or so years, just about 40 years, those three guys held it. So this is a very red district. It voted for Trump by a margin of one. It overwhelmingly supported Marco Rubio in the primary. And uh, it's pretty much red all the way through. Here's what's really, really happening. You have uh, Bruce Lavelle. Trump's diversity chief, a very popular guy. You've got Karen Handel, former Secretary of State. You've got Judson Hill, a state senator in the state house under the Gold Dome. Um, and you've got Bob Gray, who sits on a city council, a couple other politicians who aren't doing as well. You had a lot of prominent people who are well connected in politics in Georgia and in business who are running for these positions. So a lot of the political uh, prowess of the Republicans ha- has been afraid to go and, and coalesce around any one person mm-hmm. while each have their own in, in, you know, uh, uh, endorsements. For instance, Judson Hill, a state senator, has Marco Rubio. That's the biggest endorsement in the game. But you don't have the prominent people from the Republican politics nationwide coming in here helping these people because they don't want to they don't want to hitch their wagon to any horse until they know which horse is going to actually run the race. Mm-hmm. That created an apathy 
by the Republicans thinking, well, we'll win this thing. Nobody, no Democrats mm-hmm. are ever going to get 50 percent. And when he was at 35, they got a little nervous. And then yeah. another poll came out 38. John Ossoff, the Democrat, then 41. Then the latest poll by 11 Alive, the TV station in Atlanta, uh, 43, then one at 44 yeah. uh, by that same group. And they went, oh, crap. And then $3 million came pouring in uh, mm-hmm. with a pretty brilliant ad campaign saying uh, John Ossoff is a puppet for Nancy Pelosi. I stayed out of the opinion game until this week. I've been trying to get Ossoff on the show. I've had everybody else on the show. He will not do an interview with anyone but today. He did MSNBC and CNN. He is a he is a sheep, uh, you know, a, a wolf in sheep's sheep's clothing, if you will, mm-hmm. because he's basically trying to fool Georgia voters with the ads he's running mm-hmm. into thinking he's a Republican. And I hate to go on so long winded. One final point on that: the ads, if you don't pay close attention to what's being said. He sounds like some of his issues are Republican, mm-hmm. but it's word speak, and yeah. it, it, it's been very confusing, and, and that's why the poll numbers have gotten so high. Mm-hmm. It, there could be a shocker either way. It could have actually worked bigger than the polls show, and he wins in a big upset today, or because of the national attention to this in the last 48 hours, people may have woken up, oh, wait, this guy's a liberal, John, uh, John Lewis, Nancy Pelosi Democrat. Mm-hmm. I'm not voting for him. And Trump's uh, Trump's robocalls may drive a lot of traffic, and he may uh, very, very underwhelm what people think he could do. I don't think it'll be an in-between today. Well, you know, I, I'm disappointed that the Republican Party, if you're going to pull out somebody from Congress, a really important seat that we need, you know, to maintain our majority, you're going to pull somebody out and put them in as secretary. You need to make sure that you've, you've got a backstop in place to fill that seat. You've got a good strategy. So whoever, I don't even know who the head of the Republican Party is now because it's some woman and she's been nowhere to try to make sure that the seat was filled with a good Republican. Again, we've got too many, in, too many horses in the race so that nobody stands out. And then just like you said, the Republican Party doesn't want to get in it because they don't want to show favoritism. And now here we are at threat of maybe losing an important seat to a Democrat. The Democrats do what they always do. They're always, you know, saying one thing. You got Hillary. They do. They all do what Hillary Clinton was busted on. They got a private position and a public position. And they they pretend to be conservative or pretend to be moderates really well. This guy even looks the part of other people have said. I mean, if you just saw a picture of him, you'd swear the dude (laughs) had just come straight out of, you know, church in, in an RNC meeting. Um. That being said, what's the, what is the fallout then if this goes to Ossoff? Well, it's bigger than the health care debacle of a couple of weeks ago for, for Trump. In terms of political capital, it will be a big black eye because it is, it is a, a very clear sign to people who are even uh, fairly intently watching that, that people in this district who are very Republican rejected Trump. That won't be the actual truth as to what happened. It's still a, 50, a 51, mm-hmm. 52% approval rating of the president in this district. And it, it, it again supported the president. Um, and that was, that number actually was from two or three weeks ago when, when Trump's approval numbers were at a low, even on Rasmussen. I'd point out one other thing that's happened here that's a phenomenon. It's really two things. Number one, most people don't realize this, that Atlanta is rapidly becoming at its current trajectory over the next decade uh, on pace to be larger than Hollywood for the film industry. So mm-hmm. that concerns me a little bit of how that may alter Georgia politics. We have Alyssa Milano and Samuel L. Jackson out literally stumping for this guy, mm-hmm. literally doing it, I think, pro bono, uh, tweeting out things that Alyssa Milano has 3 million followers. And, and most of the tweets are centered. And I'm not talking about a couple of tweets. I'm talking about dozens of tweets 
while she's in town doing a movie, and she's she's ultimately calling for for fundraising. So the the second point to this that I want to make is that you know ninety percent of his eight point three million dollars that he's dumped in TV and radio and uh, social media here in Atlanta, seven million he's dumped of it so far, about a million left. Uh, that came ninety percent of it from people outside. Mm-hmm of the state of Georgia. Forget Atlanta, the state of Georgia. So he is being funded by liberals all across the country who want to use this as a way to give Trump a black eye mm-hmm. in, in terms of credibility. And that that uh, that really is unprecedented, given the fact that this district, normally the Democrat running for Congress against Price, Isaacson, or Gingrich on average, since the 1980s at least, has spent about ten to $20,000 for their entire campaign. Well, of course, it's typical uh, double standards and hypocrisy because the left loves to yammer about, out, you know, the outsiders influencing politics. And that's, you know, really what the Democrats are all about. And the time we have remaining, I got to talk about it is tax day. And, you know, the, you know they, they're going to no matter what happens today, the left is going to use this in some way to have it be a black eye on Donald Trump, because that's it. That's what their game is all day, every day. That's what these stupid tax protests were on supposedly tax day protests that didn't even happen on tax day with people out in the streets who wouldn't even know how to interpret a tax return if they even saw it. I mean, the average American doesn't even know what a Roth IRA is, and they're supposed to, they're yammering that they want to see <laughs> thousands of pages of Trump returns that they wouldn't have any idea what they mean because they're they're hoping and expecting Rachel, the great Rachel Maddow and others to interpret them for them. What this is all, everything is about trying to undermine Trump and undermine not just his administration, his ability to do policy going forward, but also his support. You mentioned a good point. His poll numbers are over 50% right now because people are looking at results, results that they can see, feel, and taste. And when they see the mother of all bombs being dropped on ISIS, which is something that hadn't happened in the entire eight years in Obama, they're, they're pleased with results. One of the things they want to see now is tax reform. That's one of the reasons why you had blue collar, you had independent people voting for Trump because they know uh, that we're getting our butts kicked in terms of corporate taxes. It's affecting jobs, individual taxes, all of it. How should Trump release his tax returns and how, because they're going to use that in terms of the narrative to undermine him going forward, policy and support. That's the, that's the big thing today because they didn't get anywhere with that Russia collusion. Do you think he should release his returns? No, no. And I had this argument with my producer yesterday who says he's a conservative. He's the best moderate. But uh, he said, well, yeah, but he promised as soon as the audit's over. I said, if the audit was over, I would walk out and say the audit's over, but I regret Given how I've observed the media has covered everything about my life, I'm going to fix taxes for you, the American people, and keep my taxes out of it. I won't be releasing my turn returns. Thank you, and have a nice day, and go back into the Oval Office. The reason for that is is because we're too ignorant, me, you, the rest of America, to figure out what in the hell is in 5,000 or whatever number thousand of pages of tax returns he's going to put out, depreciation on property, all these different tax uh, mm-hmm. uh, adjustments and things. We don't need – I don't care. I don't want to read it. I looked at my producer who's arguing with me on the air about this. I'm like, are you going to actually sit down and read his tax return? Well, yeah, if I want to. I said, hey, if you read it, Mr. Producer – are you going to know what the hell you're looking at? Let no. me answer that for you. No. No. And then what you're going to do, you're going to turn to the idiots in the fake news media who mm-hmm. are going to sit here and report depreciation on real estate, which will be massive millions of dollars, as if the way he's scapegoating paying taxes, because most people don't have a clue what that is and how it works. And it's totally legal. And by the way, I do it. 
Yeah, and if so this was, I might understand it, but the mo- most people don't, and I wouldn't understand most of what's in his return. I don't even understand my return. It's no. two hundred pages. No, it, it drives me insane. Yeah, because with the yeah, and and that just goes to show that this isn't about any legitimate, honest. Hey, we really want to see it. If it was, when Rachel Maddow did her, you know, Geraldo's vault impersonation with the O five tax returns, and it came out that Trump paid higher taxes than Bernie Sanders and Sanders than Obama, that would have shut them up then. Oh, but you know, just like uh, you know, I. I, he, in my opinion, Trump made a mistake when the Seattle judge came out with the travel ban, uh, halt the travel ban, and had all these issues with it. And what did the Trump administration do? They turned around and they modified the travel ban. That was a mistake. Do you think it pleased anybody? Did they go, oh, okay, the Trump administration modified their travel ban. Now we're going to go forward? No. We had some other judges come out and stop it. And my point being, there's nothing that could be in his tax returns that the left would go, okay, we're cool now on taxes. No, they will sit and, and pick it apart and do an autopsy until they find something to try to impeach him on. Because ultimately, that's really what what their game is. And it would be really, really unwise of Trump to feed that any and feed this crazy any further. Well, let me tell you this, and it's just a pretty sad statement, but I don't care how good your tax attorneys and lawyers and accountants are. I don't care how how uh, black and white you are about every rule and regulation in America. Uh, I've seen it in every walk of business life I've taken. You pretty much break the law every day unintended, um, unintentionally, Mm -hmm. because the laws and the regulations are so arduous and so overburdensome and so overbroad, you can't possibly, with the best brain trust in the world, know how to follow the law. You just fight back. And so definitely... If the passion is there, the more information that he delivers that really the American people could care less about, the more they're going to have to, to slaughter him with. So don't give yeah. it to him. Yeah. They don't have a right to it. There's no law that says he has to give it. The hell with tradition. I don't care about tradition. I care about what's right. And what's mm-hmm. right is for Trump to fix taxes for us and your listeners and the rest of the American people mm-hmm. and stop worrying about what he paid in taxes. Because here's my point on this. If they, if they had any credibility in the subject matter, the left and the media – when he came, when that leaked 1995 return came out, and it mm-hmm. showed he had this massive loss that year, and they projected he didn't pay taxes for 20 years, and then Hillary Clinton and the media ran on the fact that Trump hasn't paid taxes for 20 years, they were lying mm-hmm. because that tax return that just leaked was within that 20 years. I think it was 10 years, 11 years later, and he paid 30 some odd million dollars in taxes. So they have zero credibility on the Trump tax return issue because they've already misrepresented what little they had. And I don't care about listening to them for the next month or two or three after he released them, misrepresenting that anymore. It is a waste of time. It is a negative focus in America. And it has nothing to do with how we advance the interest of the American people. No. And it's for that reason I would, I, would, I would be in favor, in a rare case, of Trump not honoring his word. It's one yeah. of my pet peeves in life. Don't honor your word. Don't release those taxes because the left in the media is too damn stupid to know what to do yeah. with them. Listen, I expect him to adjust his positions on a variety of things along the way based upon conditions on the ground and things that happen, just like the Syrian strikes. So I think that he needs to adjust his position here on this, you know, given what's happening on the ground and given the movement. What they're trying to do is, um, I can't remember the exact words you just used, but in terms of what the agenda is, this is not a legitimate conversation they want to have about Trump. Or we got to find out what governments he's involved in and who he owes money because they didn't give a crap about about the governments that were giving Hillary Clinton money when she ran. This overall, well, let me say, the final let thought. Let me say this just real quick. Um, if you have a home mortgage, more than likely you owe Germany, Russia, Italy, or some other foreign country money because that home mortgage is 
is likely bundled into an investment arm or an investment package that other foreign banks invest into. Donald Trump has a much bigger version of that, I'm sure. I don't care, nor should the American people. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here. How can people hear your show? Uh, Talk40.com and follow me on Twitter at Brian Crabtree. And, of course, all the links will be there. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to talk to Matt Walsh about the attack that's going on uh, on um, the conservative traditional America. And I think it kind of ties into this tax situation that's going on here and what their agenda really is. And it's not about pro-American, you know, limited government. Stay tuned. More Andrea K. Show coming right back up. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me. We're going to keep our eyes on what's happening down in Georgia because that is, you know, that is a very interesting uh, situation down there and could have some reverberating effects on the Trump administration. Uh, getting back to tax day. Happy tax day, everybody. Hope y'all got it done. We've got my man Al Arias should be here shortly. We're going to have a little fun with him on tax day if we can make tax day possibly fun. Um, but during our last segment, I was talking to Brian about uh, um, the movement and agenda of the left. When I when I looked at those tax protesters, to me, what I saw was was a bunch of people out there. I saw the I saw the results of forty years of indoctrination and the takeover of education and our media system, telling people for decades. Uh, demonizing success, demonizing corporations, demonizing successful businessmen, demonizing everything that's about traditional uh, America. Because what's more traditional about us than free market capital, capitalist system, the ability to have a dream to start up a business, grow it, flourish, the American dream of becoming prosperous and owning a home and hopefully a boat and some cars and put your kids through college. That all now is being demonized, completely demonized. That's what that was about. They, these protesters don't know anything about what's in those tax returns. This is a socialist agenda. These people don't even give a crap that Bernie Sanders, their hero, paid less percentage of taxes than Donald Trump did because all they care about is the message of free, free, free. Free, 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 which doesn't even exist. But the left has been very successful in waging their war against traditional America and particularly conservative America, and they have chipped away at every aspect of our society. So I'm really pleased to have with me now Matt Walsh from The Blaze, who is a writer, a speaker, and just really a leading voice uh, for religious rights, and, and particularly among young people. He's got a new book out called The Unholy Trinity, and he's here to talk about uh, really what's happened and how the left has won. Uh, I wouldn't say won. I don't want to say when yet, but how they've made some strides in terms of redefining you know, life here in America and it's really while the what's the old saying? While Rome burns, Nero fiddles, or Nero fiddles while Rome burns. That's kind of what the Republican Party's been been doing for decades now. Matt, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, um, 
I don't know if you agree with me in terms of what those tax protesters were all about, but to me, it's just a part of this big picture movement on the left to demonize every aspect of traditional America. They've chipped away at it successfully using the media and in the education system to do it. It's affected every aspect of our life from our free market system to um, it's all intertwined. Some people say you can be you can be uh, fiscally conservative and socially liberal, and I say that's where the Republican Party went off the rails because you can't. It's all intertwined together. When you destroy the fabric of society, particularly in terms of our faith, our family, our, our social lives, it all becomes a big fat mess, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I and I do agree with uh, what you're saying about the so-called the tax day protesters. That obviously these protests that you find of Trump are for the most part disingenuous. And people don't really know what they, they don't have firm uh, principles or a firm value system. They just kind of make it up as they go. And that's part of it. That's, that's, that's a product of well, one of the things I talk about in the book is that the, the underlying philosophy of liberalism is relativism. You know, it's a relativistic viewpoint that everything, you know, there's no objective truth. The truth kind of changes as the situation changes. And particularly as I, you know, d- depending on what I want to be the case. So um, that's how they could apply such uh, dramatic and obvious double standards to the Obama administration or the Trump administration versus what they know the Obama administration, because it just the truth itself changes depending on what they want it to be. Uh, now, on the other hand, it's it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate that you know with the tax just with the tax issue in particular that the people who are clamoring for his taxes are such obvious hypocrites. Because on you know on a different level, I, I I'm all about transparency, and I just and I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. If you're in a position of power, I don't trust you, and I'm suspicious of you. And I so I want to know everything I could possibly know about you. And so yeah, I want him to release his taxes, but I but I'm not going to but I don't join in with the people who are clamoring for his taxes because they're because they're they have disingenuous motives. So if you're yeah, that, that's the interesting thing. If you are a conservative who wants to stay true to your principles and apply them across the board to Trump like you did to Obama, mm-hmm. uh, you really have no, you have nowhere to turn. You have no crowd because you, can, you can't stand with the critics of Trump because you don't want to be with them because they're not being honest in their criticism. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just, it, that's, that's the weird place that we are right now in our culture. Yeah, because unfortunately, sometimes you have to say, well, gosh, where where do I keep that hard line in terms of my principles while recognizing that there's a game being played? And if I'm going to if I'm going to get in it, I got to get in it to win it. Otherwise, stay out of it. And unfortunately, the left has made such strides in every aspect of destroying our culture that we almost have to give up a little bit of those values in order to get in that game, win it and take it back. You know, uh, in, in your book, you talk about um, how we can reclaim the American culture. How, how can we do that now? How, especially how can we do that, given the fact that it might involve relaxing a little bit on our values? Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know if I would agree that it, that it involves relaxing. I think it, it involves, uh, more specifically, it involves understanding what our values and our, what our most important principles are. What are, what our, what are our foundational principles? It involves understanding what they are and then defending them and and uh, and if we want to relax on some of the peripheral things or negotiate on some of the peripheral things that aren't fundamental to our to what our it's supposed to be our worldview, well, that's different. Um, so, for instance, you know, on an issue like taxes, I'm all I'm all I'm all about cutting taxes. But if we want to finagle on what the percentages should be and that sort of thing, well, that's not a fundamental issue that gets right down to our worldview. But I think we as 
you know, as a conservative, I would say what we do believe or should believe in is objective truth, uh, objective morality, you know, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of the family. And now we even have to now we even have to include, you know, gender in that as well. We, we, we stand for the objectivity of gender. It's unfortunate mm-hmm. that we even have to have that conversation. But we do. Mm-hmm. These are the things that we stand for. Um, and and uh, just to sum it all up in one word, I would go back to truth, which sounds too simple, but really it isn't. Because there's one there in our culture. There are a lot of people who reject the notion of truth itself. They say there is no truth. Right. And it's we determine it. And so I think the the opposition group needs to say, no, there is a truth. We stand for that truth in every circumstance, mm-hmm. no matter what. And uh, and that's yeah. what we should be doing. And because we haven't done that as conservatives, uh, I think that's largely why we've ended up ended up where we have as a culture. I kind of agree with you there because there was a, a lot of people that really got upset with me back when this whole stuff happened with Milo Yiannopoulos. And I said, you know, what are, what are we doing here? You know, suddenly suddenly you're defending somebody who argued on behalf of 13-year-olds being able to have consensual sex with adults? No. I don't care who he is. I don't care how much he, how many, you know, people he's brought under the big tent. I am not... We, we need to hold true to our principles. And if we say our principles are that children cannot consent to sex with adults, then I don't care who said it. I don't care who argued for it, and I don't care what good is supposedly he's done on behalf of the Republican Party. I'm not in support of that individual. But I do think that um, there have been, you know, some people who have said, well, you know, for when I talk about maybe relaxing values a little bit, there's some people who said, well, you know what? You know, yes, um, uh, we're we're supposed to be about the sanctity of life. So right now we've got it basically unfettered. Maybe the conservatives might be smart if they were to say, you know what, can we at least halt it at the heartbeat? That's what I mean by maybe relaxing. You know, are there some areas where we can still um, hold that line in, in terms of principles, yet still compromise a little bit? But I think I was I was actually referring more to just strategy in terms of the game and policies in order to move it forward. When I talk about relaxing values a little bit, you know, I'm even talking about something maybe even more minor, minor, just in terms of you know Trump's style on the campaign trail. He spoke in a way that was more blunt than anybody ever had. To me, that's kind of what I mean by not. Not typically how my values are in terms of how I communicate to people, but if it's going to help somebody win, I say go for it. Yeah, and I, I never really cared that much about that, you know, the, the style thing. People get on my case all the time because I, I approach things in a pretty blunt way, and uh, and so I, people would argue with me about that, and I think that's something, and I've been saying for a long time before Trump showed up on the scene, that's something conservatives need to stop doing. I'm saying, well, there's one particular way to approach an issue and to communicate, and we have, we have to figure out what that way is. And if anyone does the wrong way, then we reject them. You know, we can't do that. I, I think that's part of when we talk about a big tent. That's what it should be. Mm-hmm. Is we all we have a big tent, and but we all share the same fundamental principles. But maybe we have different ways of communicating it and approaching it, and so different types of people, you know, diverse background, all that. That's what the big tent should be. I think the problem is when you have people say, well, we have to have a big tent as conservatives, and what they really mean is that conservative conservatism should really mean nothing. And that we take any viewpoint whatsoever, and so that's why you look at have people who say, "Well, you know, if you have a, if you have someone's pro-abortion, let's let's bring them into the conservative tent." No, that's because that's not conservatism at all. Right. You you have someone who believes that it's okay to kill babies. That's not what we stand. That's the opposite of what we stand for. They they do they do us no good. We, they are not part of the club. I hate to say, and it's not about. I, mean, I shouldn't even use the word club because it's not about being a purist or any or having a clique. It's just about these. We're fighting for mm-hmm. truth, for life. This is what we're fighting for. If someone is not is 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 not fighting that, and in fact is fighting against us on that on those issues, then they are against us, and so they can't be a part of the so-called tent. 
And so that's why I say we need to yeah. kind of strip things down a little bit yeah. and get back to the fundamentals, right. figure out what those are, and then all the other peripheral things, all the style points, right. uh, that's where I think we kind of open up and uh, maybe be more, I don't know what the word is, accepting there. Well, I, I, I like that your your focus is on truth, and that's something that the left really, really doesn't want. They don't want there to be definitive truth. These are the same people that would tell you that being born, you get to choose your gender, no matter how you're born, no matter what your DNA is, no matter what your chromosomes look like. You get to choose that. But if you say you're homosexual, then you were born that way. It's not a choice. You're absolutely born gay, even though there's no scientific basis with which to state that. This is the same people that will say that it's a woman's body, it's her body, her choice. Meanwhile, we know through science... That it is not her body. It's a separate human being. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, you don't even have to, you know, see an ultrasound to know that, that that's just complete nonsense. So there are some absolute truths that the left doesn't want to acknowledge anymore um, because, it, you know, it's all about their, their creepy, you know, weird agenda in some ways. Um, you know, same thing with now the latest thing is really that there's no such thing really as adult child. And that's what's behind so much of the which this movement in terms of the next step. It's always an incremental next step. And to me, that's one of the things that was so disturbing. With with you know the support for Milo in terms of his his arguments that teen you know thirteen year olds should be able to consent to sex because that's that's where we're coming next. There's no black or white. There's no right or wrong in terms of the left. Anything goes as long as it suits their agenda. And we need to push back on on those absolute truths. How can people find your book? And did you have a final thought? Um, yeah, well, you can find it on uh, you go to Amazon.com, scroll on Holy Trinity, or go to unholytrinitybook.com. And uh, my only final thought is that, you know, to the theme of what we've been talking about is, you know, our job as conservatives at the end of the day is to go out and fight for the truth, um, no, matter, no matter what the cost is, no matter what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we cannot compromise on that point. And mm-hmm. only when we all can unify and be galvanized around that, around objective truth, around God, you know, uh, only at that point can we hope to make any real progress in our culture. But if we do that, then I I do believe that progress is possible. All right. Matt Walsh, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. Now coming up, joining me today on Tax Day, he's here in the studio. I'm going to try to turn around the camera so y'all can see the Spicoli of taxes. The man, Silky Smooth Al Arias, is here. We're going to have a little fun. I got a quiz for you, Al. Come, Andrea K. Show, coming right back up. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Hey, before we get into our next segment, real quick, I got to make sure that I update everybody. I'm sure most people know the biggest non-political story of the day is that they did catch the Facebook killer, uh, Mr. Steve Stevens. Um, and let's see, how did one uh, media outlet put it? The dark, white-skinned guy, because they didn't want to call him black. 
Yeah, that's true. That really happened. Um, he, he In a traffic stop, I guess, over in Erie, Pennsylvania, he, they, he ended up being pulled over in a traffic stop, and he ended up taking his own life. Some people are really aggravated by, by that, saying that you know the family was denied their day in court, and some people are saying that... You know, it saved the taxpayers' money. As somebody who, who knew a family in New Orleans whose loved one was murdered, um, it was hell on them to have to face the murderer in court every day on behalf of their loved one. And so I kind of err with having that been my own personal experience with a friend of mine's family. I kind of err on the side of the fact that they had um, – I, I don't know this family. I can't speak for them. But I know the hell they went through a family having to face him in court. And so I think that they might have been spared. Um, some agony there. So, you know, I, I actually posed the question yesterday, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. If you want to continue this, follow me on Twitter, by the way, and I'm on Instagram and on Facebook. I'd like to keep the conversation rolling after this happened with the question that I posed as to whether or not social media, and not just Facebook and Facebook Live, because I'm on Facebook Live right now, but whether or not social media and gender in, in general has become good or bad for America. I think just starting on yesterday's thread, most people came down on the side um, that it was good for America in the long run because we are about um, freedom of speech. We're about free communication, First Amendment rights. It allows people to communicate freely with themselves, stay in touch with people from across the country. So, But there's some negatives to it, some real serious negatives in terms of impact on people's relationships. People are addicted to it. It's a form for hate. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd be curious. Maybe maybe y'all think about it. And toward, Al, towards the end of our, our, our interview on taxes and maybe towards the end of the show, DJ Carrot Sticks, y'all might want to weigh in and tell me what you think about it. But it's tax day, my man Al. <laughs> it's like your Christmas day, right? Well, my, I was still at the office at midnight. <laughs> is that why you didn't wear a tie in here today i never wear a tie i know i gotta bust you on that um so it is tax day you do corporate business taxes um there's still a lot of small business people doing their own taxes though when they really should be going to you and one of the reasons why i say that was because i came across i'm trying to find my article this is for everybody out there i came across this is from i think it's from what who are these people called nerd wallet and there, there's this um, article that you can Google with a quiz on there that 57% of taxpayers don't know what a W form is, W4 form is. 59% don't know that April 18th is the deadline for, <laughs> um, for don't know that, that is the deadline at all, let alone for making a tax deductible contribution to a traditional IRA. 58% of taxpayers incorrectly believe that getting a tax extension means that they can delay the due date of their income tax payment. So, I mean, here we got all these protesters I was talking about earlier out in the streets because they're like demanding that Donald Trump releases taxes. And most of these peeps don't even know <laughs> the basics <laughs> of taxes. Right? It's not funny. <laughs> it kind of is. Right? <laughs> is funny. So I thought, you know, we got to have some fun around it today. So before I get into some serious stuff, because we got tax reform coming, and there's one major sticking point, I think, even for the Republican Party, let alone the Democrats coming up with tax reform, and that's the border tax. I even had to Google it myself. What the stink is this border tax? You know, is that me bringing back some churros or some chicle when I come back from TJ? Or what the stink is that? Here's, I'm going to pose the and y'all take notes and answer yourself out there on Facebook Live. If you lend money to a friend and she doesn't, first of all, who wrote she instead of he? <laughs> if he doesn't pay you back, can you write it off? 
A, yes, you can write off the entire loan. B, under certain circumstances, it can be deducted under capital loss rules. C, no, you can't write it off. 42% got the right answer. Do you know the right answer, my friend? B. Yes. Thank God for you. You got it right, my friend. (laughs) Who knew? Let me tell you, there's some people out there I might be coming after that I loaned some money to. A while back. Here's another one. I'm not going to do many more of these, but y'all can Google the article and have a little fun with it on tax day. Which of the following is tax deductible? A, gambling losses. B, sex reassignment surgery. C, babysitting if you're a parent doing charity work. D, all of the above. E, none of the above. Only 39% got the right answer. Well, I don't know if they know the right answer. Gambling losses are deductible to the extent of your gains. See, I knew you knew what you were talking about there at Aviarius. No. <laughs> I had no idea. So now I'm going to run off to Barona later tonight, play a little nickel slots for a couple of hours and see if I can write off my $3 in losses, which is usually, that's, that's how much of a whale I am on a high roller. Um, last question is, what's the worst mistake? If you owe not filing your taxes, uh, filing but not paying your taxes on the deadline, you're owed a refund, but you file late, or you're owed a refund and you don't file at all. Which is the worst? Yeah. And not filing your tax return because the penalties are very severe. Exactly. You are you, if you are if 100%. You don't, if you don't pay on time, there's a penalty, but it's not a giant one. Right. Well, you are hitting a nail on the head. Good thing for you, too, because I kind of put you on the spot. You are my pupil of the day, Al Arias. So getting into something serious, we've got tax reform coming up. Um, that's what so much of these protests are all about. They're trying to derail him. Within the Republican Party, there is a split, just like the Obamacare replacement situation, it's split. A big sticking point on the part of the Republican Party is this border tax. Um, there's one organization. Um, I can't uh, they, I can't I don't Tax Foundation. Uh, tax foundation organization, and they call it the Made in America tax, which is the fact that we don't have a border tax. We don't tax goods coming into America uh, once they come in, but our goods get taxed out. And they're saying uh, that's called the Made in America tax, and that if we do start this border tax, what Trump wants, it will create 1.7 million new jobs, 8% wage increases nationally. Um, the average savings uh, per family would be $4,600, and it eliminates incentives to go overseas uh, for businesses. But then I got to Googling some of your compadres out there in tax land, KPMG and others, who say, well, you know, um, the tax officers in, in the company – Companies need to start coming up with strategies because if this does hit, it's going to benefit a lot of Americans, but it's going to hurt businesses, and you got to have some strategies to overcome it. For your clients, you think this border tax is a good thing or, or not, and for the country? Well, it's a mixed bag. If you're a retailer, you don't want the border tax. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, if we have a strong dollar, uh, it will be good, and if we have a weak dollar, it'll be very bad. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's filled with subtleties and basically a political issue. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one-way street. It's complicated. Right. And, uh, you know, Trump's seeing that and he's showing some uh, maturity, significant maturity Mm -hmm. in the the types of choices that he makes on uh, these really, really tough issues. 
Well, I'm, I'm ex- what I'm expecting is, as I was doing a little research on this and different strategies that different people like yourself are coming up with, I expect some type of a hybrid. I expect there to be compromise. I think Trump is a master negotiator. I think he starts here and tries to work his way back down to here to, to end with the end result. And I think that if you look at what Ronald Reagan did uh, with, with some working with Tip O'Neill, I think the end result was... Um, he worked with Laffer. Art Laffer, yeah, yes. the economist. Yeah, well, I know the Laffer curve and all that, but I'm talking about in terms, he also made some compromises with Democrats in terms of taxes and his tax reform. Well, basically, and, it's a political issue. Well, yeah, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think what I expect to happen with tax reform is I expect him to do kind of like Ronald Reagan, that it's not going to be 100% pleasing to the Freedom Caucus. I think there will be compromise, and I think there will probably be some hybrid you know, involving the border tax to kind of realign things, because you it you ha- you kind of have to do that we we are getting our butts kicked on trade we've got manufacturing going like crazy out there he's he's also changing some of the cl- the climate in terms of regulations along with it because it's like you've said on the show many times you can't just do tax reform without also dealing with regulations the two kind of come together what i haven't heard about he is going to wisconsin and um, he's going to go to Snap-on Tools, which we've got a huge Snap-on Tools here in North County, San Diego. He's going there today. He's going to sign an executive order that's going to change the visa program involving bringing in high-skilled workers. We have had um, an undersupply of high-skilled workers, particularly out here in California. We, we tend to have a lot of too many college grads studying social services and different types of, you know, ladies, women's studies and not highly skilled tech jobs. But what happened then is these highly skilled visas started getting abused and you started having staffing companies using them to bring in low skilled people. And then you got lower, you know, waged workers like at Disney getting kicked out and having to hire their replacement. So he's coming up with an executive order that's going to change that. And, um, it, it's going to help the American worker because that, that's not going to be possible anymore. These the companies are going to have to prove that they've done everything they can to hire American before they go and bring in an outside worker. And then that person's going to have to be, um, you know, um, how do they put it here? The most skilled uh, and uh, of of anybody applying for the job, which is kind of the way it is in the private sector anyway. So I think he's making the right moves in terms of regulations to set the stage for tax reform. The one thing that he's missed so far that you've talked about needing is banking reform. Correct. Well, it's it's a regulatory nightmare, and they have so many regulatory agencies in it. Trying to get them work to work together is going to be very, very significantly difficult. Mm-hmm. So um, everything is difficult. It, for one thing, the political climate yeah. is um, in, an environment where it becomes almost impossible to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so you have all of the pundits saying, oh, he's not delivering on his promises. Well, he's trying like hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of the things that he tried on, I thought he did a brilliant move with, he kind of was involved, but kind of not with the Ryan Care situation. He used what I think was a classic sales strategy in terms of the takeaway close, in which after it went back and forth for a while with, with Ryan and with the Freedom Caucus, he was like, I'm taking it off the table. If you, if you, if you can't get it through tomorrow, I'm taking it off the table. And what that does is it tests a, a buyer's, a, a prospect's will to close the deal. And if they let it come off the table, they were never yours. You walk away. It could, and, and really, you, it, it signals that you're, into the, you're at the end of the negotiations. At that point, you're either going to close the deal or you're not. And you pull it off the table. 
And if the buyer walks away, you never had a deal. And it, then it kind of forces everybody to start over. I thought that was brilliant. One thing that has to happen is the National Center for Public Policy Research put out a press release that they sent, a release they sent to me that they are going to, uh, Humana's, um, next shareholder meeting to put some pressure on them to work with the Trump administration because what a lot of people don't realize is that Obamacare, while it is a disaster for the American people because of the regulations on insurance companies, the insurance companies have been making out like a bandit. And so part of the, the issue that Trump has had in going forward with his and, and the Freedom Caucus and the Republican Party in general and going forward is these these insurance companies and hospitals refusing to work with uh, the Trump, with the Trump administration, and so they're going to put some pressure on them there. So I may have somebody from that organization on. Um, so as well, we- one thing we've had is uh, hospitals gobbling up independent practices mm-hmm. um, under Obamacare. So bigger is better, and uh, we probably need a reversal of that. I mean, this is just another example of something that's incredibly complex, mm-hmm. and uh, getting a solution is so significantly political mm-hmm. that and it's emotional and et cetera, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just climbing a mountain. Yeah, it is. Well, you help people climb a mountain with their taxes. How can people get a hold of you, Mr. Al Arias? Especially you know, now that to, you... I try to memorize my <laughs> telephone number. <laughs> Good. Because you did so well with our test today that I want people to be impressed by you, brother. What's your phone number down there at AV Arias? Six one nine two nine six two one two three. I think that the text idea is a, a good one. Uh, you can text me at eight five eight. There I go again. Six one nine eight eight five seven five zero three, and uh, my email is aviarius at aviariusco dot com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Happy Tax Day, love. Well, I still have to go back to work. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, you don't go. Al's going to leave, but y'all don't go anywhere because we got more of the Andrea K. Show coming up. Um, We got more to talk about. Lots happening out in the world, so stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We are closing in on the final stretch here. While I was here, I forgot to, I forgot to show him or, or tell him about a couple of um, 
what's called the federal fumbles. You know, here we are on tax day and, and we started the show by talking about taxes and these protesters out there yammering, uh, demanding Trump's taxes. Not one of them is out there demanding that the government spend less. Not Nobody is out there protesting the fact that our, the government waste, but there's no such thing as government money. And, and, and what that, what those protests reflect for me, like I said at the top of the show, the indoctrination, the successful indoctrination of the left, for these people to be out there, not upset about the government waste of our money, not upset that we got $20 trillion in debt, that they are running it up like crazy on crap, but no, they're upset that they don't, they're not sure that Donald Trump has spent enough money of his own personal money and taxes. These people don't understand the very basics of economics. They don't understand that there's no such thing as a free lunch. They don't understand that there's no such thing as free college, that there is no government money. Every dollar it spends is either taken from, from a U.S. citizen who worked hard for it, or they're printing money and doing currency manipulation. It's a complete disaster. Back in November, I don't know if you guys know who um, Oklahoma uh, Representative Lankford is. He comes out with his federal fumbles every year. And, you know, I laughed really hard yesterday when I reviewed viewed it, but now I'm kind of not laughing. I mean, maybe you're going to think it's funny. $2 million was spent on a study on to um, study children and whether or not they're offended and like food that's been sneezed on. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. $2 million, DJ Carrot Sticks, to study that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 500 and something thousand dollars, I think. And, and I don't have my notes. I'm remembering off the top of my head. But it's something like 515 or 315. Yeah, $315,000 is spent to study the smells of the medieval period. How do they get them from then? <laughs> I don't know. Is they, did they like dig up a sock? An old sock in like an archaeological dig? I mean, how do they stink? Do they know what the stink is from the medieval period? I mean, it's like ridiculous. But one that's not as funny is the fact that a billion dollars was spent on hospitals and infrastructure in Palestine that were considered like unusable projects. Meanwhile, we do have Americans that are unable to get to the doctor. We've got hospitals and clinics closing down around this country, and we're spending a billion dollars in, uh, not Palestine, in Pakistan. Pakistan, the same the same country that you need wants to, fix to destroy the sidewalks and PB. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I posted this on Facebook. I don't know if you heard that Roger Hedgecock and his wife, Roger Hedgecock and his wife, sue in the city because she fell because a tree stump got in the way and she supposedly busted her silicone implants. Well, what? What? Why is he a counter plaintiff? Because he says he was denied service. We need. We do need to fix the infrastructure here in our. Country <laughs> we do need to. Fix- we, yes, we do need to fix the infrastructure, but I'm not really sure why the city needs to pay for her infrastructure. I'm not sure when she got the silicone implants, okay, and whether or not it's my fault that we got to pay for them and him because he lost some service. Okay, Roger Hedgecock, skedaddle with that. Um, I've got a few minutes left. Did you want to give a final thought on uh, DJ Carrot Sticks on social media, good or bad? Well, I just think any form of media can be good or bad. And it doesn't just, you know, TV, radio, any type of form can be used for propaganda or bad or violent stuff. So I think Facebook is just the new thing. This guy is crazy. If it wouldn't have been Facebook, maybe he would have done, you know, just uh, use this video camera or whatever the heck. I don't think that created the act of violence. I think this guy was just. Nuts. Right. Yeah, it's not the cause of it. And, and, and in fact, I think I might have even posted that question yesterday about social media before I even knew about that story. I mean, that guy would have that guy would have murdered somebody. In fact, it could be said that um, I mean, the serial killers have taken photographs of their of their 
kills or their their victims now for decades. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of a common practice on the part of serial killers. I don't. It's kind of like gun control. Take away. It's, you're not going to stop crime by taking away Facebook. So it was really kind of a more of an in general question. Um, the Glam Squad at One American News yesterday reminded me of the Ice Bucket Challenge with ALS. That was primarily driven as a fundraising campaign through Facebook, and it raised over forty million dollars. Which actually, according to the Glam Squad yesterday, they actually used that forty million dollars and did actually come up with some some type of gene or some type of technology, a science that will help victims of ALS. So I think in the end, I think the more communication, the better. I think we need to, as conservatives, always bring a sense of individual responsibility and accountability to it. If you feel like you're getting addicted to these devices and time on the internet and on Facebook and not giving it to your family and friends, set it, set an alarm. Own your People been addicted to TV since it first came around in the 50s. Yeah. People get addicted to book. I, I had my family one time had to tell me over Christmas holiday when I was in college, put the book down because I was just glued to this book that I was reading. So get so involved in other people's lives on social media. There, there has been other studies done that show that people that spend more time on social media tend to be more depressed. Well, yeah, because you, for one reason, probably because it is a forum. I don't debate as much on Facebook for politics as I used to because it became very clear to me early on that people didn't really want honest debate or dialogue. They really just wanted to be able to spew hate and anger over people and prove that they were right, hide behind their keyboard like a keyboard warrior, saying stuff that they would never say in such a vicious manner that they would never say to somebody's face, but they feel free to say it. behind. And so I don't really do that much anymore. I've got a few core you know, Democrats. Democrats I bring on the show that I'm actual friends with, like Christopher Hahn, that I will debate with. Otherwise, I don't really do it anymore. And if somebody, as soon as soon as they come to my wall and hit me with hate or whatever, I block them and I just move on. And you know what? Since I started doing that, I've got a much better positive outlook. And you know, so you got to bring your own personal controls to it. I agree. You block those people and don't, and don't feed into it. Right. Um, Last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award, and Hero of the Week. I might have to start changing it to Patriot of the Week because, you know, it's harder and harder every week. It seems as though every week, consistently, because I always put it out there on Facebook, who who are y'all's nominees? This week, across the board, Hero, unanimously, not unanimously, because C.V. Burton liked this gal, this congresswoman, Democrat out of Hawaii, who had the guts to stand up to her party and question whether or not Assad. She actually came out and said, look, I'm a former, you know, veteran. Assad did not gas anybody. And she's come under some heat from her party for that. I like any congressperson who's willing to go up against their party and speak their truth. Um, Pence was considered the hero by and large from people. He's done an amazing job as vice president. I think he's representing us really well. What an amazing show of strength to back up what Trump did with the serious strikes. Whether or not Assad did it, I support that. As well as dropping the mother of all bombs. Man, that sent a footprint all around the world. If you Ken Jong-un, you sitting there, you he lost his appetite with that plate of Twinkies in front of him. For last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award, Maxine Waters is right up there as usual. And Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters at some tax day calling for the impeachment of Donald Trump because he didn't release his taxes that he is under no legal obligation to do. Um, she didn't give a hoot about where were all these people, by the way, when Obama spent millions of dollars to hide his college records. You know, this man had no qualifications to be president. The, the argument was that he was brilliant. I said, well, then show me his college records. You know what? I had to accept the fact that I wasn't going to see him and move on with my life. They need to as well. And I got to move on from the Andrea K. Show. Thank you all for being here. Thanks to Brian Crabtree, Matt Walsh, Al Arias. Thank you all for being here. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Love you all. Happy tax day, everybody. 
We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. 